Welcome back to the All About Audiology podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lilach Saperstein, and this is the All About You episode. So we have every other episode, we have a content, a topic, and then it's all about you, where I hear from you guys, the listeners, what you guys are going through, what your experiences are, how you are resonating with what we're talking about on the podcast. So this episode is going to be focused on music therapy and how to use music therapy with children who have hearing loss to give them access to language and communication and connection. Over the last couple of weeks, we've had a bit of a theme. The episode with Kimberly Sanzo, where we talked all about sign language and how important it is for children to have a means of communication, access to language. That episode was very well received by many of you, and I really appreciate Kimberly's advocacy on this front about language access. The episode after that, we spoke with Toby to hear all about her experience from childhood, from getting implanted as a child, through building identity around her deafness and what it means to communicate with her cochlear implant and be part of both the deaf world and the hearing world. And from that episode, I heard from some of you how you resonated with the way that the worlds actually overlap and interconnect and having family members who are deaf or hard of hearing or for being children of deaf adults, CODAs. I heard from some of you about that. And I really appreciate all of your comments on that. And I want to wish a hearty Mazal Tov and congratulations to Toby and her husband on the birth of their son. Congratulations and we're so happy for you. Then the episode after that was a conversation with Valley Gideons from MyBattleCall.com and she shared with us about the mother's perspective, her journey as a mother, getting the diagnosis for her children, what becoming an advocate has looked like a little bit throughout her life being a mother to two children with cochlear implants. I so appreciate all of you listening and all of your feedback and comments. We've been connecting on Instagram. We also have the Facebook group, All About Audiology. And I love the way that we can just connect. We can be on totally different sides of the world, different time zones, whatever. But when we're talking about these important issues, we are in the same time and place. We are connecting across the internet. It is amazing. So I got a comment from Chloe Tompkins. Chloe Tompkins is an amazing musician. She does music programs for children who are deaf or hard of hearing. She does it in libraries, in schools, and in private groups in Westchester, New York. And I invited Chloe to come and just have a little chat with me about her work and what the, what the podcast has meant for her, how the episodes that I just spoke about have been resonating for her. So here's a little bit from Chloe. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm Chloe Tompkins. I own a small children's music and entertainment business in Westchester, New York. Mostly what I do is provide music classes to schools that don't have music programs, that don't have full-time music programs already. And I also do libraries and community centers, birthday party events, that sort of thing. That's wonderful. So what kind of music, what would happen at a typical party or class? That you do. So what makes my program a little bit different from other people's program is I'm a hard of hearing musician myself. I'm English and ASL. So I'm able to provide classes not just to hearing children, but also to deaf and hard of hearing children and to mixed groups, um, like at a birthday party where perhaps a couple of guests are deaf and a couple are hearing. I play the accordion, which is a little bit different also. 
you only need one hand to play the instrument. So there's always some modality of communication still. Um, obviously not as wonderful as having both hands available, but I can still speak and sing with my mouth and sign with one hand while I'm playing it, which is very cool. Amazing. I saw your videos on Instagram, just the one. Cool. Row your boat. I was like, wow, this is, it's, it's like the total communication at like a whole new level. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. So what, um, can I ask you about your, your hearing loss? When did that Sure. Start? So um, I was born hearing, I had hearing loss in childhood, but didn't really um, feel the effect of it until adulthood when it was getting progressively worse through my 20s. I became more connected with the deaf community when I started learning American Sign Language. Um, I use hearing aids, so I'm also very connected to the hearing world. A lot of my day-to-day -day stuff is in the hearing world. Um, but through that, I, that's what really opened my eyes to what was going on with deaf children in the country. Um, becoming closer to a deaf adults also opened my eyes to what the future for deaf children looks like, um, or how, how it so strongly depends on what kind of early education they get. So yeah, it's been, hearing loss has really been a blessing, even though I'm a musician, <laughs> um, People tend to think like, oh, that's so sad that you're losing your hearing. But not only has it introduced me to the deaf community and to deaf children, but it's also completely redefined how I think of music and how I think about teaching music to other people um, in a way to be more inclusive and accessible. So that's all really exciting stuff. It's, it's been a blessing. Did you have any connection to ASL or the deaf culture before you started losing your hearing? Not really. I mean, I I have family members with hearing loss, but that were never capital D deaf, that were, you know, I grew up oral and English. I, I mean, as a kid, I, I knew some simple signs. I knew the alphabet, but to learn it as a full language, to understand it as a full language and understand the culture as something completely separate from the hearing experience, that wasn't something I came to realize until adulthood. That's so such a unique experience. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know that anybody, like the general person who has hearing loss, even in their early 20s or something like that, would even consider if they're successful with their hearing aids, they're able to hear and, you know, go through their day. It's, so, it's interesting to me what, what moved you to actually owning that kind of connection. You know what I mean? I think seeing all of the, seeing how confident and rich the lives of the deaf adults that I know are. And also for three years, I worked in this one particular deaf school and I wasn't working with the high schoolers, but watching the high schoolers and seeing how rich their teenage experiences compared to the kids I know that are deaf and mainstreamed that maybe aren't having that same kind of experience. That's what really, um, <laughs> that sold me on, on this whole idea. Yeah, the isolation. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. When you touched on the effects of language deprivation in a previous episode, I have adults in my life, close, close friends, whom because of severe language deprivation as young children, they have had struggles that I can't even describe. They, so, some people I know in particular maybe can't get a job because they can't do simple math and they're otherwise extremely intelligent. And that's that's when it really hit me that there is this big connection between what happens right at the start 
what kind of language access you have and what kind of road you have for the rest of your life, you know? So anyway, if it's, I, I quickly became very impassioned in this world because I really care about the children and I really care about the other adults in my life, especially those with hearing loss. We all kind of have to look out for each other. That's amazing. Okay, so we know the first three years, critical period of language acquisition. So you're working with, with babies and, and toddlers. Tell me a little bit about what, what kind of games you play. How do you enrich that, you know, half hour or whatever, however much time you have with them to maximize that learning? I'm very physical and engaging. And um, sign language is naturally captivating. So children right from the start recognize that that's something they can reciprocate to express themselves. So we do a lot of um, vocabulary building games. These are little children I'm working with mostly. Um, if I'm like an example, the video you saw that was at a public library. So those are mostly pre-verbal little kids. Through the music and through the signing, we're creating an environment where the kids are, the visual learners are seeing the sign and the kinesthetic learners are doing the sign and the auditory learners are hearing me sing. And anyone who's lacking in any three of those, in accessibility to any three of those is still able to get something. It looks like a typical kids music class, but I think the activities we do are a lot more geared toward encouraging language and encouraging communication. The goal is to create programs that are fun for deaf parents and fun for hearing parents and fun for deaf and hearing kids alike as well. Okay, I have one more question and this is where we go into the bits of controversy. You know, we have this kind of divide uh, with the cochlear implant, auditory oral, verbal therapy only versus the isolation that you sometimes see in capital deaf culture. And you're doing this amazing thing of like bridging that and putting showing that the representation is actually, it's not really so separate people have, you know, even though you have codas, like in the family, there's people who hear it, people who don't hear it, there's a big connection. So I guess uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on our last previous couple of episodes about cochlear implant experience, language deprivation, just whatever you want to say about this. I have to tell you how I have loved the past three episodes. I'm so happy. Um, that you had language first lab on it's i'm so thrilled to see this information getting to people finally to see an audiologist getting this information to people it's i'm so appreciative of what you're doing i think it's come up a couple times to listen to and believe deaf adults as the authority of, of the deaf experience mm -hmm. that that at the end of the day a, a deaf adult does know about being deaf better than a specialist in the field who is not a deaf adult. <laughs> um, I loved the comment that when a baby is born and quote unquote fails the hearing test, definitely a person on the team should be a successful deaf adult that uses American Sign Language to communicate, just to show the parents that that's, just to start the conversation of educating. Um, let's see, as far, to be honest, I have, I have friends with CIs that love their devices and are very grateful for their technology. And I have friends that would, you know, sooner do anything than, than put themselves through that or, or see, see something they care about um, implant themselves. So it's, I'm, I'm all for the support of a personal decision. I think there, in my own experience, it seems like maybe it's becoming, maybe people are 
letting it be more of a personal choice and not being as vocally judgy of each other. But again, maybe that's just my own little <laughs> tiny circle, social circle. I was recently in a production uh, at Teachers College, Columbia University, a deaf music show where everyone involved in it was ASL or deaf or a coda or hard of hearing. And it was all different musicians and all different ways to talk about expression of music. And there were oral deaf people with CIs in the show. There were ASL capital D deaf. There were, you know, there was a, the full spectrum of of what it could mean to identify as a deaf person and to build the right kind of curriculum for the future and to do the best by our deaf kids in the future, everyone needs to have a, a voice at the table. You know, every, everyone needs to be able to give their input. And that particular production was a good example of like, you know, the director is Julia Silvestri, Dr. Julia Silvestri, very successful deaf woman, young deaf woman, right? Like it, <laughs> it was just such a good example of we we all have something to contribute and yeah i, th I think that's that would be, would be one of my big takeaways from the from the last three episodes it's yeah i mean i could i could definitely i love the podcast you're making i could go on for ages about it but thank you so much chloe i really again i really appreciate what you are doing Children of all abilities, children of all hearing abilities are able to gain from all kinds of modalities, from seeing, from hearing, from sensing and touching things, and you know, using our bodies. And all of these different modalities are ways that we can connect, educate, communicate, learn, play, grow. Okay, so I just get so excited about this, and I'm really, really grateful to you, Chloe, for your work and for all of you for listening. Now, another totally unexpected and wonderful thing happened this week, which completely fits in with our theme, um, talking about music therapy and ways of engaging with children and encouraging children. I got connected with Allison Huey, a music therapist, and she put out a call and said, I would like to write a song for you. What is it that you need a song about? I will write it from my heart to your heart. And it was such a generous offer that she put out. And I reached out to her and told her about some of your journey, some of the journeys that you guys have been sharing with me, what other parents that I've worked with have shared with me, the fears of raising a child who is different, who is differently abled, who has a hearing loss or is deaf, and you fear the barriers that they are going to experience in their life. One of the things that really stuck with me from what Toby had said, which is that when the baby's born, you know, they're your baby. They're just a sweet little bundle that you want to kiss and hug and count their toes and tickle. And you are also extremely sleep deprived and um, overwhelmed with like the huge changes, the magical shifts that happen when you have a child in your care and how having diagnoses on top of it really can change the course of what you expected for what that journey is like and now it's a different journey. So I asked her, you know, I told her a little bit about that story and she said, I got you. I'm going to write I'm going to write a song for all of you. I'm going to write a song for your listeners. So here it is, the song from Allison Huey. I'm going to have all of her links in the show notes and linked in the post. I look forward to our next episode. Stay tuned for that. We're changing gears, and for next episode, you'll hear my interview with a lovely speech therapist about the breadth of what speech therapists do and what are some misconceptions about speech therapy and speech language pathologists. 
So come back for that episode. I'm so, so grateful that you're here. I'm Dr. Lilach Saperstein. This is the All About Audiology podcast, and here is a song for you today. Just take it one day at a time.